Welcome back to the Digital Dive Podcast, a conversation about tech. My name is Darsh. I am one of your hosts, and this week is my solo episode. Let's get started. Roll the intro. All right, everybody. So like Jacqueline had her solo episode last week, I wanted to take part in one of my own. And as Jacqueline is away this week, I thought that it would be no less or it wouldn't be as amazing if I didn't also do a Q&A with you guys, let you guys get a little bit uh, more about me uh, from this episode. And on top of that, I also do want to discuss a little bit into Google I.O. because it was today as I'm recording this Wednesday, May 11th. So by the time you guys hear this, it would have been a week or so since it came out. So I hope I can cover most of the bases if you have been unaware. Funny enough, actually, the first question I have from the Q&A is about Google I.O., which did spark uh, this conversation. So you can thank whoever sent that question. Now, getting started here with Google announcements. So first and foremost, we saw a bunch of things at Google I.O. this year that were actually somewhat unexpected. So first and foremost, we actually have the Google Pixel 6a, which is going to be coming out and starting around 449 US. It's going to be available for pre-order on July 21st. And it's pretty much the same kind of idea as before. It's supposed to be a more budget-friendly device for those interested. But it's pretty much going to have the Pixel 6's Tensor chip and design, but it's going to have a 12 megapixel camera instead of the 50 megapixel camera. Also, it is not going to have a headphone jet. So that is not ideal. What I'm more so excited for here is actually the Google Pixel Watch. Now, if you guys have been following along with the podcast for the last little bit, you probably might be aware that for myself personally, I am not a huge fan of the square design of the Apple Watch. I think that functionality-wise, the Apple Watch is very, very much overpowered in its ability to offer so many new features. And I use my Apple Watch on a daily basis when I go to the gym. It's become my favorite fitness tracker to recommend to literally anyone. Now, Google Pixel Watch is going to be coming out this fall. It's going to be coming out with the Pixel 7 and Pixel 7 Pro, which I will touch on in a second as well. Now, it's going to be coming an updated version of Wear OS 3, which will also feature a Fitbit integration. So this is going to be perfect for those health junkies, anyone who's looking to get a fitness tracker that is going to be properly integrated into the Android ecosystem. So specifically here with the Google Pixel Watch, we're going to be seeing a bundle of new health features that we're going to find out. But a lot of these questions that we have are going to be unanswered. So we don't know what kind of chip it's going to be have or if it's going to be launching alongside the Pixel 7 or if it's going to be launching later. So that's going to be something that we can definitely figure out. In terms of design though, I'm definitely here for it. It's going to be a curved glass screen with a bezel, a black bezel around the side. It's going to be very, very thin. It also has a digital crown, which I do not know what they will be doing in terms of the branding for that, but it is definitely looking like a digital crown there with two buttons, one on the top and the bottom. So definitely a couple of design elements here taken from the Apple Watch. Now, it also is gonna looks like it's going to have an always-on display as the screen that it's showing in these ads are effectively on full black with minimal light and LEDs on. So that would actually be a really cool feature to see here as well. And it comes with this standard sports band. It looks like the bands might end up being proprietary this year, so you're not actually going to be able to switch out with any other 22 or 20 millimeter band like other smartwatches. So we're going to have to see more about that. Now, the Google Pixel Buds were also announced a new set. These ones are going to be the Buds Pro, which will cost $200, and they're going to feature active noise cancellation with an estimated seven hours of battery life when you're using active noise cancellation. So this is going to be really, really cool to see and test out. I know me personally, I will definitely be checking these out because I'm starting to really, really hate my AirPods. Now, a little bit of a a rant here because I am on a solo episode. I might as well give you guys a little bit of one of my rants. So uh, when it comes to AirPod Pros, they actually started bugging me a lot more than I realized, especially as of late. For one, I find that the active noise cancellation isn't actually as good as I thought it was. I recently picked up a pair of the Sony XM4s and I've been using them like pretty consistently. And uh, last week I actually went on a vacation uh, with my cousins and my sister just to celebrate the end of the school year and uh, also to celebrate our birthday. 
And thank you to everyone who did wish me through Twitter. I saw every single one of the wishes. So thank you. But pretty much with these headphones, I took them with me on the plane. I was using them at the beach. And honestly, the active noise cancellation in them is absolutely superior to anything I've tried from Apple this, thus far, besides the AirPod uh, Maxes. Those were, I believe, pretty on par. But what I found interesting here with the Sony XM4s and something that Apple has been able to implement into these devices that hasn't been able to be replicated anywhere is transparency mode. Specifically because transparency mode, surprisingly, is actually the most or the best transparency mode on any device. Like you can turn it on and fully hear everyone around you. Nothing sounds muffled. It sounds relatively normal with not too many issues there. So I found that to be quite interesting. And I thought that would be something nice to share with you guys. I hope you enjoyed my little rant. But anyway, these are going to be available for pre-order on July 21st. It also announced that there's going to be an Android-powered tablet next year that's going to be running a Tensor chip. So this is going to be really, really cool. It's going to be uh, running Android 12L, which is focused on the large screen experiences. And I'm honestly really excited for it. As I use my iPad more and more, I find that having a proper tablet to use on a daily basis is definitely ideal, especially for like when you're trying to get work done or you want to take notes. I know personally, I never care, end up carrying a notebook around with me, but I should. But I almost usually have my iPad, especially if I have my backpack on. So for the most part, every time I take a bag out for the day, it has my iPad in it. It becomes my go-to computer instead of my laptop just to get all those quick things done, whether it be emails, web surfing, a little bit of document editing, anything like that becomes absolutely ideal. Now, Google's also working on a set of AR glasses. Now, I know that Apple has been rumored for the past little bit to be working on a set of AR glasses. So at the end of the presentation today, Google actually showed off its pair of AR glasses that were capable of real-time translation during conversation. Now, I've had a pair of smart glasses. They aren't AR glasses, but I've been using the Facebook uh, Ray-Ban Collab smart glasses for the past little bit, and they've become probably one of my favorite tech products to carry around with me just because of the ease of use and your ability to take pictures and video anywhere. Like, you can literally just have these on, chilling, listening to music, take and make calls, and then you see a really cool scene of your family or your friends that are walking, you want to take a video of it, a picture of it. So the first thing you do is you just click it. So it's perfect. It's actually, it's actually something that I never thought I would uh, be super into, and it also looked really cool because you have the touch panels on the right side. So that was a very, very interesting experience for myself. But with the Google AR glasses, I think this is going to be really exciting to see, especially since Google has become infinitely better with their AR programming. And just Google being Google, they have an infinite amount of resources to put at this. So this is going to be something that I'm going to really be, I guess, looking forward to. And I hope that it's not as big of a flop as the Google Glass was a couple of years ago. Now, we have a couple other things that are, that are going to be coming out, whether that be Android 13. We also have Google... Uh, introducing new ways that they plan on using AI to implement and better their system. But one of the coolest things I think from this entire event, and maybe I am just a little bit uh, biased with this, is the Google Wallet. Google Wallet is actually going to have you come back now. It's going to come back and it's made for the digital age. So you can actually put in identification things like whether it be vaccination records or payment cards, passes, reward programs, whatever it may be. And because Google is so open source, I would not be surprised if this actually has better adoption than it did before, especially with Google now building out their own devices. I imagine their partners may be uh, more willing to work with them directly to start implementing these features rather than before when Google Wallet was only available on certain Android devices. So that was very cool. So Google I.O., that was uh, pretty much the first part of this episode. It was a, a decent chunk of time. I hope you guys enjoyed that little breakdown that I offered for you, but we're definitely going to go a lot more in depth next week when Jacqueline is back and we can actually have a proper like like tete-on-tete about every single one of the products that are going to be coming out over the next couple of months. Now, let's do a couple of quick questions, some stuff that I thought were interesting that you guys had submitted. Uh, so first and foremost, as I mentioned before, 
or I may not have mentioned, it was my birthday. Uh, so someone had asked, how was your birthday? Didn't know you had a twin. I do have a twin sister. And it was honestly a pretty good birthday. It was very relaxed, very chill. Um, I just hung out with some family, hung out with some friends and just enjoyed the night. And it was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for asking. Another question is, when are you uploading on YouTube? So here's the thing. With me personally, I want to come back to YouTube at some point. And I think that it's something I've been thinking about for a very long time. And kind of having the guts to sit down and start posting again takes a lot. But uh, for right now, I'm focusing on TikTok. If you guys want to check that out, actually, shameless plug here at Bonding Boys. Um, a buddy of mine and I are going around doing uh, random acts of kindness across uh, our community, uh, whether it be giving out junior chickens or giving out gift cards or giving out car washes. Uh, so go check it out. We have, at least right now, as it's according to this, two videos. By the time you hear this, there should be four videos out at that point. Go check them out. Show them some love. Give them a share. Give them a comment. Tell them you're from the Digital Dive. I'll make sure I'm responding to you guys. I love you guys. You guys are a great, great audience base. So definitely go check that out whenever you have a chance. But in terms of YouTube, I don't know when I will be returning. I'm thinking potentially September, but you guys will just have to wait and see. But if I do come back to YouTube, I don't know if it's going to be fully tech focused. I feel like it might be a little bit more centered around other topics that I do find interesting or uh, more around my lifestyle, figuring out where I'm headed now, having uh, finished university at the end of the summer, it's going to be a very, very interesting journey. And I definitely want to document that. So if that is something of interest to you guys, go check out my channel, youtube.com slash Darsh, and I'll definitely start posting there soon. Don't know when, but you guys will be the first to know. Uh, a new question. Let's see. So how did you create your smart home setup? Now I'm actually going to lump these all together a bit. Uh, it's because there was a couple questions about my smart home setup. So how did you create your smart home setup? How did you set up your Google home? What products do you recommend for building a smart home? And how do you build a smart home? So Let's start out with how to build it. So if you want to build out a smart home, you need to get a couple of smart devices, devices that are pretty much going to connect with either your phone or another central hub. Now, if you have an iPhone or you have an Android phone, you can definitely use their built-in uh, systems to get everything to work. So with Google, it's Google Home. Uh, and with Apple, it's going to be your HomeKit. Now, both of these subsets both have their own devices that are affiliated and work with them uh, to help actually manage these systems. So with Apple, you can get a HomePod or you can get a HomePod mini. I would actually, it's probably my biggest gripe with Apple is that there is no tablet focused or screen based smart speaker that they have to control your devices, which makes things a little more iffy because then you end up using your iPad or I have seen some people implement their iPad into their walls so that they can control their stuff like that. But I feel like the smart speakers are so much more effective and so much more efficient in terms of price. So I wouldn't go HomeKit. I personally went Google. Uh, my Google route, I went and got a Google Nest Hub. I plan on upgrading sooner the Nest Hub Max just because it's huge and why not? Pretty much though, the Nest Hub works as my main hub for the entire apartment. So uh, I live in an apartment in a student housing and I effectively wanted to make it as smart as possible. So specifically within my room, I have a couple of different systems that work for me and most of it is centralized onto my Google Hub. So First and foremost, I have lights. So I bought a pair of, I got a pair of smart lights from Philips Hue a couple of years ago. It's not sponsored, but I just want to give them a shout out for sending that out because it's made my life amazing. But pretty much I got a couple of light strips and a bunch of bulbs. So, uh, and as well as a play. So I have a play mounted on my desk behind my monitor. I have a bulb and a lamp next to my desk. And then I have three bulbs in my ceiling. Now, these five bulbs work together in combination uh, to create different scenes in my room. And that's something that I do give huge props to Philips for actually implementing with their Hue app. Now, the Hue app works to do all of the different scenes that you'd like to do, and you can actually set up all your own scenes in the Hue app. So you have all the lights set to different colors or uh, different temperatures and different brightness levels. So you can adjust everything specifically through there. Um, so when it comes to the lighting side of a smart home, you'd probably, my recommendation would be to go with Philips Hue. They're 
for the most part, the most reliable um, company I've found so far when it comes to lighting. They are a bit pricey. Um, they definitely have a bit of like an Apple tax on them uh, when it comes to their price and in terms of, I guess, their overall ability to find them on sale. Uh, if you can, get them on sale. Very, very worth it. Um, but pretty much, I connected the Hue Sync app and the Hue app to the Google Home app. So when you connect the two of them together and you put them together as one, the Google Home app can actually communicate properly with the Hue app. When doing so with the Hue app, you're able to actually import all of your scenes and your preferences from the Hue app to the Google Home app. So when you tell Google to set a scene to Arctic Aurora, for example, one of the presets in the Hue app, it'll do that for you. Now, that's one aspect of it. I also have these lights set up in my common area as well in the ceiling there. So I can control all that lights from my, from my entire, for pretty much my entire house, just from this one tablet. Now, we also have a smart TV that I have set up as well on the Google account. It is running Google OS for TV or Google TV OS. Not necessarily sure what it is called, but it's running Google TV OS. And because of that, I was able to log into my Google account there, add it to my home. And now I actually have a quick remote for the TV from my phone whenever we lose the remote, which happens quite frequently as well as being able to tell my Google at night when I'm going to bed, instead of my bedtime routine, it'll turn off the TV for us. So if one of us forgets to turn off the TV at night, the TV is set to be off. So we're not wasting energy overnight. So different things like that have become increasingly useful. Now let's talk about probably one of the coolest things I've set up. Um, and that is my routines. So the way Google works with their system, routines is effectively shortcuts on iPhone, but routines are very, very well set up and planned out. So for one, you have full, uh, full creative control over kind of how, which order you want to do everything in, except that audio has to play last. So if you're doing music, music has to play last. So you can set up different things. So I have it set for when I come home, for example, I'll walk in my room and I'll tell Google I'm home. She'll turn on my lights. She'll welcome me in. She'll give me my calendar, my to-do list, and then she'll play some music. And usually I just pick up the music on my laptop, put it on a pair of headphones, something like that. But it just starts getting the vibe in the room nice. And I can set to a couple of different things, whether it be a movie theater mode or if I'm having friends over, like have it so that it's like a nice, cool, funky set of colors so that it's like very vibrant and very party-like in here. So I can kind of go about doing it in any such way, all based off of my scenes, like I was mentioning earlier. Now, another thing you can do for this is you can also add custom messages. So sometimes when it is a harder week, I'll set the message in the morning uh, when my alarm goes off to say, get up, you, you lazy bum, like get out of bed, uh, get your day started, stop like sitting and loafing and wasting time. A little self-destructive on my end for sure, but it was quite interesting. And so with the morning routines, the way that it works with the Google Nest Hub specifically here is uh, you can set up your alarm so that it has a sun, sunrise effect. So it uses your smart lights and has them come up in this warm uh, hue in the morning and it'll slowly raise in brightness over time. Now, when it's raising in brightness over time, you don't notice that you can set it to an interval of like five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. I have mine set for 10 minutes. So over the course of 10 minutes, I'm slowly waking up. My eyes are starting to notice a little bit of light above my eyelids. So I'd be slowly getting up. And then by the time my alarm goes off, I'm almost pretty much awake. Like my eyes are already open. Uh, my alarm goes off, turn it off going to give me the news, going to give me the weather, give me a calendar. And then on top of that, it's also going to give me a phrase. The first thing it says is a phrase and it's, it's usually good morning boss or good morning, sir, just because I want to feel like Jarvis a little bit for all my Marvel fans out there. So that was a really, really cool um, way to set up and start my day. And at the end of it, I can go to my bathroom and then I also have a Google Home in there as well. So they communicate with each other. And from there, I can control my lights, control all that kind of jazz. And then I also have a smart switch. And this was particularly useful in the winter when my room would get a little cold in the mornings. Um, overnight, sometimes it would just wake up and it would just be really cold in here. So I also had it set in the winter to turn on my heater when I turned off my alarm. So it would, I would turn off my alarm, my heater would turn on, 
And then my entire system and routine would work. So by the time it's done going through my calendar, my to-do list and stuff like that, I was ready for the day. I was ready to get out of bed and get my day started. So that was definitely a very, very useful addition. So overall, setting it up isn't too bad. It's literally all through the Google Home app. As you get Google Home and Google compatible smart devices, you'll see them showing up in your system. Or if they're not showing up, then you can add them specifically through their own apps. So the smart switch, smart switch for example, is actually built by Amazon. And so I connected it through the app. They had, had their own app and it had Google uh, Home compatibility, added it right there, boom, done, set up. Now, if you're doing a home automation setup, kind of like the way I've done it, I would highly recommend you go about finding different kinds of products that will work for you and specifically what you need. I know my brother, for example, had gotten an air purifier that worked with his home kit so that he was able to not only check the temperature and the humidity of his apartment, but also see the air purity levels and also be able to control that from his uh, speakers. Another cool thing that you can also look into are smart fireplaces. Um, I feel like one of the coolest ones is smart TVs just because you can control everything from your voice if you're cooking. Um, you can be in the kitchen, tell your Google Home or tell your Alexa, whatever it may be, turn on the TV, put it to this channel, and boom, you're having a good time and you're already watching your TV without even raising a finger. It is absolutely enormous in my life. I'm honestly so thankful for it. Highly recommend the Google Nest Hub and the Google Nest Hub Max. But that is going to be the end of how to create my smart homes. I hope that you guys were able to get something from that. Um, I'm going to quickly take a break here, just get some water, get some uh, liquid in my throat because I'm getting a little dry here. But we will be right back right after. Just a little music, just a little break. And in that meantime, I do ask, why don't you guys go down to the review section, drop a nice review or a bad review. Let us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Help us get even better and bring this show out to even more people. Thanks. We appreciate it. And I'll see you guys after the break. All right, everybody, we are back from the break. I hope you guys got something to drink. I usually do mention that beforehand. You guys should probably grab a shot of espresso. So if you guys want to pause right now, go get a shot of espresso, continue this episode. Highly recommend it. I was, when I was on vacation, we were trying out all these different drinks in the cafe at the uh, hotel we were staying at. And honestly, incredible trying all these different espresso-based products. And there was no cold brew there. Funny enough, no cold brew at Jacqueline. Where are you at? Who's going to defend cold brew now? Not me. I'm saying espresso. Go espresso. Anyway, that little uh, peer pressure aside, let's get back into some of the questions. So actually, I thought this one was a very interesting one. It asks, how long do you think it will take for society to normalize people interacting with holograms projected from augmented reality glasses since the holograms will be invisible to everyone except the person wearing the glasses? Now, this is quite interesting because honestly, even now, like if I wear those Facebook glasses, for example, and I'm talking on the phone, I get a lot of weird looks because people just think I'm talking to myself. And the issue is right now where we are with technology, we are not advanced enough to have this kind of system or any of these systems set up. So when we look back at like when we look for the future, I feel like it's going to take at least 10 to 15 years before we actually see the full normalcy in this kind of stuff, especially with like late adopters. Like augmented reality is an iffy subject because I don't know if you guys when you were younger for myself, maybe because I am I am I was born, I think in 2000. So we were like right, we were growing up right in the age of technology. Like I get told all the time from my parents, like don't sit so close to the screen, you're going to mess up your eyes. And it has me curious that like with augmented reality and talking to holograms, for example, over like a video chat in your glasses, sitting that close to a projected screen, would that be necessarily okay for your eyes? What kind of detrimental effects will we see there? So I feel like there are going to be a lot of late adopters of this kind of technology as it does come out because there are still 
a lot of questions in terms of health that do come to mind when you start thinking about it. But I, my guess, I think, would be 10 to 15 years. I wouldn't put it to 20, but 10 to 15, I feel like, is a, is a nice little gap. Plus, also, we don't actually have uh, very many augmented reality setups right now, and holograms are kind of a ways away. So I feel like we'll start out with kind of like the Facebook idea with like a Bluetooth in your speech, sorry, in your glasses, start talking to people. The moment I feel like that starts becoming more and more mainstream when things like holograms show up, for example, it'll be a lot easier to adapt to. Whereas right now talking to effectively no one in front of you or no one next to you, it's definitely still a weirder look, if that makes sense. So another question, what do you think wearables will be or where do you think wearables will be in 10 years time? And how might you think we'll be using them. So have you guys ever seen Spy Kids? Now, I know this is a little bit of a weird reference to make here, but hear me out for a second. So in Spy Kids 2, it was like some journey to some lost island. And so in this movie itself, you'd see that these guys had tricked out watches on their arms and they were really cool because it was one strap. It wasn't like a bunch of them, but it would effectively present this hologram type display across your arm where you'd have full control of all, over all these different things, the cell phone and does all these A, B, C, D, E, F, G kind of things for you. So where my mind kind of lies, I think that eventually we're going to be sitting in a space where your watch, I think, could be a full out replacement for your cell phone to a point in the next 10 years, at least, where we'd actually have like larger screens, hopefully rollable screens. I think that I've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, but everyone knew here, Samsung had an event, I believe it was for the Galaxy S3. Uh, where they showed concept trailers for what they would like to see in the future from Samsung and how they would like to implement it. And that, a lot of that was about rolling and folding technology. And they've already implemented the fold. Now they've implemented the flip. So I wouldn't be surprised if rollables are going to come next. And with rollables, I ideally would love to see it, maybe not in 10 years, but 20 years, something like that, where you'd be able to sit on your wrist, fold, like roll out, and then you have like a full kind of working mobile command center on your wrist that could also work as a cell phone and stuff like that. So I think that, for me, that's where I would kind of see it, but it may be a little bit more of a hot take. A more realistic or conservative view of where we might be with wearables is definitely just more normal looking watches. I think that for a long time, we've gone to a full technological route where everything is just full tech. And I feel like it takes away from the, the niceties and the, and, the, and the collectors. Like there's a lot of collectors of watches. People like watches, like normal analog watches, not just smart watches. So specifically, I would love to see in the next 10 years, going back to some way, where the design elements of a smartwatch aren't so technologically focused, but rather also a mixture of like that class and that, that style, stylistic elements that we'd see in watches today. So if I could get like, for example, a Rolex that looked like a proper Rolex, but was a smart Rolex, that would be interesting. And I'm not just talking the actual like body of the watch itself, rather also I want to see like the proper bezels. I want to see the proper Rolex interior. I want to see the gears. I want to see something about it and to make it more more of a cross rather than these just full screens that don't really look that good with these weird very very overproduced watch faces that don't look clean or don't look very i guess watch like that would be what i would like to see in, in 10 years in terms of design and then in terms of use case i feel like by then we'll be able to use our watches for almost everything especially with all these ai smart assistants consistently growing and becoming better and better like siri for example or even Alexa. So on your wrist, having quick access to those different smart assistants and being able to control your phone, your home, uh, make calls, make texts, like I guess, play games, 
I imagine at some point in the next 10 years, you might even get interactive games with the watches so the watch will track your movement. You'll be able to play games with your smart glasses, your augmented reality glasses or your VR glasses. I think I think that features like that are definitely stuff that we'll see in the next 10 years. I, I'm I'm pretty much banking on it. I think it'll be really, really cool. And I think that's where I'm going to end the question answer for today. If you guys do want to do any more of these question answers, let us know uh, in the comments on our tweets or just tweet at us. Let us know. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, and before we do cut out here, I do want to give a quick jump into stuff we like this week because there was quite a few things that I did like this week and I, I did want to share them with you. And starting out with number one is actually going to be Moon Knight. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. It's a new show from Marvel. And honestly, I found it to be one of the freshest takes of a like superhero show in a while. And the finale, I just saw it uh, two days ago, and it was incredible. I absolutely loved it. I was floored by it. I thought that it was great. I was not expecting what I did see, even though I probably maybe should have, considering I call myself such a big Marvel nut, but it was incredible. I really enjoyed it. And if you guys haven't seen the Moon Knight series or any of the Marvel series at all, if you want to get into Marvel, but you don't want to jump in with all like Iron Man and Captain America, stuff like that, check out Moon Knight. It's actually quite different, and it goes further than it goes further than just trying to be a superhero or a vigilante it's it's a lot darker and it's a it's a bit more promising for me for what i think the future of marvel is going to look like so highly highly recommend that my second one for this week is going to be the breakfast club i've actually never seen the movie but i sat down the other day and i just watched it and i absolutely loved it it was definitely not what i expected it to be it was a bit different but i thought i realized and i understand now why it's such a cult classic so i Highly, highly recommend that. So the song that I want to recommend for this week is called Blue Skies. It's by a guy named Knuckle. He's a friend of mine. I grew up with him. I know uh, he's been putting out a lot of music as of late. And this new song, Blue Skies, absolutely insane. I was sitting down uh, on vacation, just like by the pool, by the beach, just listening to this song. And it was just the perfect vibe, especially for the summertime. It's more low-key, low but it's a, it's a good time. I highly, highly recommend it. And with that all being said, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I really do hope you guys did enjoy it. And if you did, you want to go and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you guys can get notified of every episode that we do put out. And while you guys are there, make sure to drop a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. On top of that, thank you so much to Adil Constantine, as always, for the amazing intro and outro music. And we'll catch you guys next week on Monday at 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern. See ya.